Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. That time of the week again, the Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. And back for another week of the fifth and last NRL podcast via quarantine. Because, Brock, mate, you've come down with it or something, haven't you, mate? Yeah, I've been, um, been, uh, I've been frog marched off premises at school today. Um, no, but I've, I've been crooked since uh, probably Saturday. I sort of came down with it and then, yeah, it's escalated. Cast about two or three weeks ago, I think, where we both had the coughs and it caused some issues. So, at least my phone, when I'm going to cough or when I'm going to sneeze or blow my nose, I can just mute it and no one will ever know. So, I think this is the cleaner way to do it. Hopefully, from an audio uh, perspective, I know phone isn't ideal, but I think it's more ideal than uh, coughing and spluttering and etc. etc. So, we are via quarantine for the fans. Trying to do what we have to do to get the job done. And yes, there was some people the other week saying stop coughing and sneezing and clearing your throat. But, you know, when you're crook, you're crook. And, uh, not exactly working in a studio where we've got a dump button. We've just got a simple microphone and we talk shit. So, good times. Yeah. But here we are. Another week of the fifth and last NRL podcast. And we'll kick things off with our set of six. And uh, I think a, a big bit of news yesterday. I kind of actually thought this was the announcement. It was coming last week when the Rooster said that a major announcement. It ended up being Brett Morris, but this week, Boyd Cordner retiring. And um, I guess people were wondering there was a date set for his return, but hasn't come to fruition. He's uh, called stumps at 29, a back-to-back premiership winning captain for 18 and 19. Also, back-to-back New South Wales Origin Series wins as a captain. He was part of the 2013 premiership side. They brought him in to first grade as a 16-year-old. He overcame an absolute bunch of injuries. He had broken jaw, ACL, ankle issues. Obviously, the head knocks come as the Kukuria came, but what a hell of a playboy Cordner was. Yeah, absolute superstar. Um, and I was trying to think today in the news, like in the time since retirement, whether you know, I could think of a negative across his career he's never never done anything stupid on the field never done anything stupid off the field he's always just done his absolute best I've never you know gone away from a game thinking Gordon didn't have a dig you know he he was like every other player that's ever played the game in that you know his form was um, at times up and down but his effort was always there he's the ultimate club man uh, he just seems like an absolute champion. I've never met him or I've never had anything to do with him. So I, I don't know him, but 
it, yeah, an absolute star. And it's sad that the game's going to lose him. It was, it was horrendous to watch him uh, retire because we can both relate to having to retire before you're done, before you, before you are, you know, in your mind done. Uh, and I think he certainly would have liked to have played on, but I think it was a really mature and smart decision that he's made to to walk away and to put the, you know, that that risk of the unknown. We we don't know how much damage another concussion would do. We don't know how many how much damage the concussions he's already had have done. So I think it was a really smart, mature decision, and I thought it was a really classy and um, emotional press conference. That's probably how I describe it. Yeah, I don't think you're too far off the mark, and I think probably to his credit and speaking again to the Roosters and, and what a club they are, how he spoke of Trent Robinson and, and Nick Pilatus. I don't think you've seen many people in press conferences where they're retiring speak of you know a CEO or a GM of a football club or a coach in such a manner, and then they asked him his career highlight. He said it was being a rooster. So gives, uh, like, again, his opinion of the club and, like we said, what he achieved, absolutely outstanding. And, and the thing I'll remember most when you talk about him, yeah, he's not a game-breaker or got many superstar highlight moments, but he won everything. He was a purebred winner. He was a leader. But the things I remember more particularly uh, for New South Wales, those series, even when we were losing, and we used to say it every single year, when you're looking for someone to have the just shit carry inside five or inside ten, you know, nowadays generally it's a winger or an outside back. Boyd Cordner, so many times in origin, was just taking that shit first carry and getting pumped. Um, and I think that just sums up the kind of bloke that Boyd Cordner is. He was leading from the front, always doing the shit work. And, you know, in the end, uh, despite overcoming all those injuries and the adversity, um, the head knocks have built up. And, yeah, I think smart decision. He's had a hell of a career. People were talking that now with sports science and this, that, and the other. Physically, he's probably heading into some sort of prime or he still had some of his better years to come, but long-term when it comes to your brain, when it comes to that sort of side of things and that, you know, your, your cognitive health and long-term health in that sense, um, he's got nothing else to prove. He's got no, nothing he needs to prove to anyone else. He's ticked every single box. World Cup, Australian jerseys, New South Wales, captain at all levels, three premierships, and uh, as we said, after going through that rough trot in particular, I'm sure 18, 19 will be the two years that really stand out back-to-back origin series wins as a captain and back-to-back premierships at the Roosters. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Tackle two, keeping on the same note, and uh, obviously the big talking point this year with all the rule crackdown, the concussions, we've seen friend retire. We've know that the Roosters had a particular couple of players that have had Dramas with head knocks, we know all the talk off the field, but Wade Graham, uh, that's his fourth head knock this year alone. Again, another one where tackle technique comes into it and he's gone low and tried to favour a shoulder and copped a, a bit of a knock there. And more concerning is when he got up, he's ended up injuring his knee as a result of the way he stumbled. But um, a guy that I came through with playing against uh, in the same age group at Penrith. He, he's had a hell of a long career when you think about it. Like I did my HSC back in 2008. That's when he debuted. Still going now, but so many in such a short space of time and how easily they're coming. And we know that with more traumas, they get easier back-to-back. I, this is a situation now where he had a little bit of a rest at the start of the year. I think if he's going to push forward, he needs to have a rest again. But uh, this is a real concern. 
this year, isn't it? Yep, it's number four. Yeah, he, he should be made to sit out the room. He should go through all the testing that uh, Boyd Corden has done and they should make a decision on, on why Graham is all. Four, four is far too many in such a short space of time. Uh, that, that, that's my that's my view on it. And the Sharks have got nothing to gain. Like they, they might make the finals and they might you know win a final, but that's that's about the peak of their year. So it's certainly not going to be anything that he hasn't achieved before in the game. So I, I'd be really erring on the side of caution. I know that's probably not what the player wants to hear, but four four is just yeah, that yeah that's scary. Yeah, I think the other side of this probably looking at it now from a Cronulla perspective as well is similar to the Roosters like player welfare that situation how you handle it taking it out of his hands and where he's at I think he was keen to have the rest after he copped the ones early in the year he's now got a family himself he's at the back end of his career but um, after witnessing what we've witnessed this year in particular speaking of Jake Friend Boyd Cordner to have that many in such a short succession um, the right things need to be done and I guess the other one for I saw some people going well I don't think he actually failed the HIA on the weekend, but we've talked about this before. You don't need to fail the HIA. You've, you've still suffered a trauma. To stumble like that, your brain has suffered a trauma. When you've had repetitive traumas in a short succession of time, that is the main contributor to having long-term issues. So, um, quite scary. Don't know where he's at or what he's thinking, but I, I kind of said as much like this year when we talked about form-wise or where he's at. He doesn't look, to me, to be the same... Way Graham of years past that guy that was hawking halves and super aggressive and shooting out of the line like he's still playing good football but um, his general mentality where he's at right now and then having these issues start to creep in now I, I think Wade Graham's another one of these guys unfortunately that may have to start to weigh up or consider what's best for his long term health uh, yeah completely agree uh, and I think another one I heard someone on the radio today was driving around saying well Boyd Cordner was he cleared to return? Because they were saying he was going to return in round 14. So if so, how is he you know, going to be medically retired? Now they're going to be able to pay him off the books and you know, that's cheating again, et cetera, et cetera. Well, medically cleared or not to a certain extent is fine, but I think retiring due to repetitive head traumas, which is why he had such a long break, surely that qualifies as a retirement. Like The game is doing everything they can to head away from that. So whether he's had enough rest to you know, ascertain a, a clearance to go back and play football as opposed to what the long-term effects of repetitive head traumas and the reason you had the time off. Like, uh, if that's not grounds for medical retirement, I don't know what is. Yeah, correct. I, I don't think we can go in such a grey area. And then again, the hypocrisy of it all, you know, Greg Inglis was medically retired. Now he's playing in the Super League. He's obviously got injured again, but like, how do we really sum that up? You don't see the NRL suddenly ringing up South Sydney right now saying you want the money back. Well, that's on your salary cap. We had Sam Burgess medically retire last year and then apparently start looking to play again this season. So, you know, I, I, I don't think we should be getting into too many technicalities unless it's absolutely blatant. But in this situation, I, I don't no, think... There should just be somewhere that the players can go to be assessed. It's just, it's just, not, it's just not something that I think clubs would look to raw. Like, a, I know clubs, to an extent, will look to bend the rules on, on everything, but you can't, you can't fake... What Graham and Cordner and Jake Friend and all these guys have gone through—it's a pretty, pretty ordinary. And um, I just don't think it's something that clubs would look to take advantage of. And I don't think you can fake it. So I, I, I certainly agree with you. The NRL needs to look at ways to compensate and 
retire and make sure that the pathway out of the game for those that are at risk of the long-term, I guess, health impacts of the game, that they're looked after and catered for and they're able to exit the game when they want to without having to worry about a financial burden and also without the club having to worry about the impact of a potential financial burden as well. And I think if we're heading the way, in particular in this area, like we know with rule changes, all the extra lows, the protocols we've got, um, you know, the changes we've seen this year that a lot of people are still unhappy about all heading in that regard to avoid litigation later on and this, that and the other. I don't think this is an area they're going to be as as heavy on if you're talking about, you know, like we said, a shoulder or a knee or things that clubs have tried to, you know, sign guys on longer-term deals as we talked about in the past, like a Watmout Parramatta situation and they sign them knowing they're probably not going to see it out and they'll be able to get a medically retired. But then the reasoning behind that was if they have a pre-existing injury, you know, you're, you're taking responsibility for it. Inglis and Burgess obviously were already at South when they had those issues. They were able to medically retire, move them off the books. There was a grey area in those, again, when people said, well, he's going overseas to play or Sam's trying to come back. But in this space in particular now with head injuries and all the defence mechanisms the NRL has put into place, I, I highly doubt they'll be denying this if there's legit reasoning or the amount of time he just had off, I think, speaks enough to where he's at and why he's not playing anymore. Exactly. So, uh, I don't... Yeah, I think people are reading a little bit too much into that side of things. I don't think clubs are going to magically start trying to retire every bloke from a concussion. That's for sure. Uh, tackle three. You sent one through to me about origin fallout. What specifically uh, were you looking to talk about in regards to that for this round? Well, I'll hit things like what, what is the fallout of origin do we think there's going to be changes who comes back into the Queensland side is there any changes to the New South Wales side um, well, my opinion was... my opinion on New South Wales is when you win like that you deserve to finish the job and in most cases you, you don't deserve anything but in the rep arena when you win 50 to 6 and in particular there was questions on the guys in the back row Martin on the bench, except those kind of few spots. I don't see how, bar injury or suspension, you wouldn't give that same seven and the opportunity to finish the job at Suncorp. I don't know if you agree with that or not. I know in particular, the one spot people immediately jumped on is would you put Crichton straight back in for Martin, seeing he would have been the walk-up start on the left-hand side back row before the series started. You know, timing is unfortunate. He gets a suspension, he misses out. But with a 50-6 to six win... I don't make any changes for New South Wales unless I have to. Yeah, I'd make two. I'd roll White and back to 18th man and I'd play Coruscant and I would drop Liam Martin and I'd play Angus Crichton. Hmm. Do I think... I I think it's an absolute fallacy this, if you win, you don't make changes. The philosophy around origin, every game is its own event. Every game, you have a chance to pick your best team and if to pick your best team... Play, different players are available and your best side is potentially better then you pick your best side mm. I think it's a cop out to just fall back and say oh well, we'll just that side deserves to go around again I, I, I get that argument particularly when you win 50 to 6 but is Crichton a better and more experienced rep player than Liam Martin yes do I think we'll get more out of Abby Coruscant than we will out of Jack Whiten Barring an injury to the halves or an outside back, I think yes. So that's just my opinion. Yeah, I think the Jack one, I could still 
see why they've kind of got in there. Worst case scenario, again, like you're saying, it's not always ideal. Yeah, we've been, we've been through that. Yeah. Like, but, I just, that, that's my opinion. And if Freddie picks the same 17 or 18, I've got no problem with it. Yeah, the only one I could agree on, I did sit there yeah, and think... The, those, those issues, the, the criticisms that I have or the, the changes I would have made, I would have made it before we won 56. So the scoreline is irrelevant to me. I just, from my end, it's just about picking out this team. Yeah, and I think that one I could definitely justify was more what you said. Martin did well in the limited time that he got, but if you are going to upgrade a spot that's not going to drastically affect anything, a bench spot there for a guy who's going to be able to play as a middle, a back rower, and a centre, and an absolute push because he's a more mobile player, again, and come through playing that position, that's probably the only one I would force if you want to make the side legitimately better. Otherwise, I'd just be leaving it because it's not every day you win by such a margin. I think they could finish the job. I think they can get the job done. But, yeah, will Queensland be better? Yes, they'll pick a better team. They're well, going to have a few more guys available. It's at Suncorp, and they're going to be hurting. So it's not going to be the same team you play. Um, and is everything going to stick, and New South Wales going to be as white hot? Probably not. So we know, expect the scoreline to be closer. We know Papali, or Papali'i, is going to be definitely back in. Had a good yeah. game on the weekend, but again, uh, glad he played well for the Raiders' sake, but it was against Brisbane, so... Not going to, you know, go off too early in that regard. His form this year overall has been pretty underwhelming. This weekend, they've got the Dragons, so he's got another chance there to sharpen up before Origin. You, you definitely see him as a walk-up start. Welch will return from the head knock, which seen go out of the first game there. I think if he comes back into the side, off of Gowie goes off the bench. Um, the fullback spot, we already talked about it. If Ponga is available, or if not Brimson in that situation, if you want to strengthen your yardage position, I'd be pushing Holmes to one of the wings, whether it's Felt or Coates. Coates pulled out in the weekend, injured, so he's already got himself in a bit of an awkward spot there. I think Felt uh, missed out by injury as well, so whether they do that, I, I, whether it's Brimson or Ponga, whoever's available, I think you're just better off having Holmes in yardage. They really struggled there. Everything starts with your set starts, so I think that is something you have to look at. And there's already been talk this week about multiple backline options and a couple of left field ones. They've already talked about Hamiso, uh, Tabuai Fadoa coming in to potentially play in the centres, if not on the wing. Will Chambers, after only being back for a couple of games, has been thrown up to replace Kate Will and get him back to the bench as a utility player or an impact player rather than playing at the centres. Mulitalo's name was thrown into the ring for one of the wing spots who is eligible for Queensland. There's a lot of left field ones there for their back line, so obviously how badly they'll shred it on the edges. They're looking for options there, but again, like Hamiso's played limited football in the front line, especially centre defensively. I don't think he's going to do a much better job speed-wise, depending on which side he'd match up better, but size and experience-wise up against Tom Endor, Latrell, I don't see it being a great matchup. Mulatalo, yeah, big body again, tall guy, good yardage carry, but as compared to Coates, I felt I still don't say it as a huge upgrade, and it's another rookie. Um, and other than that, the utility spot on the bench, I think Hunt would have been a better option than Brimson. You've said as much as well, in the sense of he genuinely has played for Australia and Queensland at nine, covers the halves, and if you were going to put him on for that similar roving role and just have an extra runner, he's a better defender, he's a bigger body. He could have done that job for you there. So I think they've got a couple of options they're going to be looking to toss up. Yeah, he's he's arguably a better nine. Like some people would, would fiercely argue he's a better nine than he is a seven. Mm. And so, I, I still would have I still would have had the the dual hookers for game one in Marnie 
and Harry Grant, but they didn't go with that option, and now Reed's obviously hurt, so that's taken off the table for Queensland side of things. So um, definitely the back line, there's lots of question marks. There's lots of names getting thrown out, what they're going to do there, the fullback situation. So that's clear as mud, absolutely clear as mud what's going to happen there. The only thing you do know is Dan Gago is going to be in the back line. As far as the wing spots, the other centre spot, fullback, whether they reshuffle, we don't know. Papaliti will be back in the mix, and then the bench utility spot. Um, but there's a lot more going on their side of the fence than there is clearly uh, for New South Wales at this point in time. Yeah. Tackle four, player market. And another man has become available over the weekend, Corey Norman. Now has been informed that he is no longer required, and I spoke about this before, thought it would have came earlier, but the situation there at the Dragons, the last few years in particular, on the Steelers side of things, they've been really successful They've won an SG ball comp. They've played in a grand final again this year. They've got Tyrell Sloan, who's another reason they're moving on from Dufty, along with Ramsey, who everyone is obviously seeing a little bit of now. Sloan's another fullback option, along with Ramsey, depending on his development. The half situation, Jaden Sullivan, some people have already seen. Talatau Mone, who's there right now, is another one competing for that Norman spot, who's just jumped all the way from SG ball to NRL, starting to play. They've got other guys pushing through there. There's been some outside backs that have pushed up the grades and are starting to play well. Their SG ball captain for this year, a back row, Jackson Sheriff, jumped all the way to New South Wales Cup. But, um, yeah, in particular, in the halves and outside backs, they've got guys pushing through. You've got the Fagai twins who've obviously been sighted and seen as well. So um, Norman joins that cycle and where he ends up, who knows? Milford, we spoke about the other week, now injured and out of the loop. Still no talk about him. That's gone cold. Sean Johnson, been linked to the Bulldogs, linked to the Raiders. Apparently, that's not happening now. The Raiders are out of the question. Brisbane's still being talked about. Ash Taylor, no mentions at all around him. And then today, mail about the Raiders being interested in possibly extending Sam Williams for another year, which doesn't surprise me. He wouldn't cost you a lot. He's a good backup option. But now talking to Gareth Whittle. So looking, he's looking to come home after a short stint overseas. That's uh, an option there for the Raiders. So the halves merry-go-round is certainly in full swing still. Yeah, yeah. And it's just going to keep swinging, isn't it? They're just a commodity at the moment. We've, it's got to the point now where we're seeing guys come back from England. If you're Sean Johnson, what, where do you want to land? Like looking at what's on the table, if cameras out now and say it was Brisbane or the Dogs, where, where are you going? Uh, I can see positives uh, at either, but I'd probably, I'd probably leave Brisbane in that, you know, they've got Reynolds there. Him, Reynolds, Reynolds is going pass. to do all the things that you need him to do to sort of set your game up. That that would just be, I'd be looking in the halves, like who, who am I going to be paired with? At the Bulldogs, it would either be, be with Burton or with Flanagan. And, you know, neither of those guys have really cemented themselves as first-grade halves. So, yeah, from a, from a pairing perspective, I would think Brisbane. From a roster perspective, I'll probably I'll probably go. Jesus, it's just a hard one. Subjective outside backs, I'll probably lean Bulldogs. Forwards, I'll probably lean, lean Brisbane. Yeah, I just I look, and then the other options there, like Norman. I don't know coaching, where he's coaching. I definitely Canterbury. Yeah, well, I, I look at him right now, and he's probably the best one that's on the market. We're not back to Canberra, I guess. Sort of makes sense if it's the right price to fit in with Jack and Hodgson. You definitely know he's not going to try and fly the coop because he's already left and has come back and his family's moved back here now. 
but some of those other options, I just don't know where they end up. Like Corey Norman, Brisbane, Para, now the Dragons on big money. I, like, I, I don't know what he would be looking for, what his options would be, who would be interested, whether he'd be interested. Like, I, I can't see him going to the Super League. I think uh, with the setup they've got with YKTR and off the field, I, I, he doesn't strike me as someone who would move overseas. And, and the, the current climate in the Super League is probably not as attractive for a lot of guys, in particular halves. Uh, to go back over. Milford, same deal. No idea how that plays out. And then Ash Taylor. Um, there's a couple of guys there. The market's obviously getting slimmer, but Norman was a bigger name that pushed back in the market. And I kind of looked around again and thought, well, honestly, where does he land? If he does get an opportunity somewhere, is it as a backup? I'd really like to see, um, really like to, see Widdock to Canberra. I haven't seen much of him over in the Super League. Why he's been there, I don't know how he's no, played. No, just, it'd be an interesting mix. Um, and whether they arrest that situation in terms of what's going on with Hodgson, is he going to be there? I don't know. But the halves merry-go-round, uh, it's sort of stunted a little bit after a few players were re-signed, locked up. And then Nico Hines is obviously the big fish that was talked about as a one, but is signed as a six. Now they've got Moylan more than likely under lock and key for one more year to prove himself, but. Mostly everywhere else, the things are pretty steady, but there's a few big names there. Johnson, probably the biggest of all those, but yeah, apparently the door closed from Canberra. Dogs, Broncos, two options there. Uh, we're up back in the frame as far as the Raiders and now Corey Norman on the market, so have to uh, wait and see how that plays out. Tackle five going on from uh, what we had before. I had one here just on the Roosters again, and I don't recall a season with so much turnover, so many different faces, so much turmoil in such a short space of time. Like, they come into it with Cordner, not ready to play. Friend only lasts a couple of games. Luke Keary tears his ACL. Brett Morris tears his ACL. And the lineup now, the bench, the extended squad, it's honestly almost unrecognisable. And they've had seven debutants this year. They've had another five or six guys like Adam Kieran, Lachlan Lamb, Ikevalu, Hutchison, you know, young Freddie Lussick before his injury that, that have played regular first grade along with Saluka Fafita, Egan Butch's debut, Sam Walker's debut, Fletcher Baker, Suwali, Ben Thomas on the weekend, Marshke, Hart, Tapu Hart. Like, I, I just can't remember such a heavy toll so early, in particular in the veteran stakes. And on top of that, they've, they've still been winning. It's, yeah, what, what they're doing is unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Uh, they can't win the comp. Surely they can't win the comp. But no, I'm not going to have to be as comfortably in the eight as what they are is such an underrated and huge achievement considering how many players have used. It's incredible. Yeah, I'm just... And again, looking at those names, like, and these guys legitimately... Marshke was in Ron Massey. He had yeah. the NRL trial. He's obviously been in their system. He's played a lot of cut, played a lot of 20s, but he'd signed on to play with his brother and might have accepted the fact that it might have been a no-go. And within no time now, he's playing regular first grade. Adam Kieran is a former Australian schoolboy who's moved around to a few different clubs. Obviously signed on there to learn, is now being converted to a hooker, given the dire situation they've got in that situation with Verrill's friend, Lussick, all missing you know, losing the Fords that they've lost, having Corder not come back, having Friend retire, Kiri going out, and then Walker coming in making the impact that he's had. Lamb's been steady off the back of those injuries. And a lot of these role players, like we said, it, 
it's a whole new generation, but I look at this almost like I said about Canberra last year, and I know it hasn't so much come to fruition on their side of things, but I have a lot more faith in the rooster system in the sense of sometimes in these situations you get accelerated development, but you don't expect results per se. But looking at this right now, clearly being carried by a couple of their veteran players, like Crichton's been great when he's been on the field this year. I think this has revitalised Jared somewhat. Maybe we were talking about his hunger or his ability when everyone was there. Maybe now those guys are gone. It's lit a fire and he's asked that he needs to lead the way because he was outstanding again on the weekend in his 250th. But um, getting game time into these guys under duress and having to play early and be leaned on or have expectations on their minutes or their roles and like Walker's development, I just quiver or shake at the thought next year that if Kiri's healthy and comes back to pair up with him, Tedesco and they can somehow settle the nine situation. Crichton and Tupanua are on the edges. Tupanua has shown he's more than capable. Radley, hopefully, suspension free. Jared leading from the front and more development for some of these young guys. Manu, Suwali in the back line, etc. Like they obviously are going to lack some experience, and I'm sure they'll hit the market. But this is accelerating the development for their thirty again to sort of regenerate. Yes. Yeah, it's incredible. As I said, I totally agree with everything you said. But, yeah, accelerated development and get results. Yeah, and that's... The craziest thing as well is there's still more there. You look at Newcastle, you look at um, Penrith in particular, I guess the two development clubs that have sort of having to rebuild. You look at Canterbury at the moment. You know, they're having to go through a lot of pain, a lot of pain to develop and uh, I guess try to cycle through into a competitive team the Roosters just rolling all their young kids in and they're all doing the job it's, it's unbelievable mm. and I guess again difference is when you've got some really still high quality top end guys there you can sort of get them in there but they're going above and beyond expectations with heavy burden very yeah. early and you know, like I said, nine's clearly a spot but they've got more to come like Ronald Volkman was signed one of their young halves who's gone all the way from ball and flag straight to cup. Tommy Deacon was playing at the Central Coast side of things, another hooker in their system. He's gone all the way to New South Wales Cup already. We've mentioned the two twins, the Torfer Graham twins that play wing and fullback. One of them's already playing cup. Zach Montgomery, SG ball to New South Wales Cup and some flag. Max Bailey played a game last year playing cup. Luca Moretti, they've got more. And again, because of this situation, they've already bumped more up into that pipeline and getting them playing against men. And now friend... Cordner, Morris, and there's probably a few other guys off contract that I don't know about. The market right now probably isn't flush, but you know they're going to come up with a move or two that's going to steady this on top of the accelerated development. So I think it's going to be very interesting to watch what they do for the rest of this year in the market and or in the off-season if something comes up for the Roosters. And then moving into next year, no doubt, on top of their kids again and progressing players into their squad, there's going to be a big move come from the Roosters. I have no doubt about it. Yeah, well, not according, not according to a lot of people with the old sombrero, but uh, they're doing a pretty good job. And tackle six to finish this off, just the absolute insanity again in this competition. The top end, well and truly far away. The origin equaliser uh, with Penrith missing so many players and Melbourne dragging themselves back into equal first now. Those top five or six teams like we've talked about are, are clear, clear in a way, but that log jam at the bottom is just insane. So now we've got seventh and eighth, 
sitting there on 12 points, and then we've got nine all the way down to 14th on 10, one win behind. And in the next few weeks, that big glut of teams all start to play each other. Um, just when you think someone's someone just needs to kick on, they just they just don't. Like Manly have obviously come good and taken themselves out of that group. Cowboys had a nice little run, and then they get towered up on the weekend by that team. you got the Dragons, who have dropped a couple of games, two against the Tigers, and now the Bulldogs, and everyone's saying, oh, they'll win that, and they'll push themselves clear. They failed to do that. Cronulla looked dead and buried. Fitzgibbon starts to do a little bit more behind the scenes. They secure a couple of players. Things stabilise a little bit. You know, they almost blow the game on the weekend, but they jag a result. Canberra get, you know, a bit of a lobby on the weekend against Brisbane, but go on to do the job. The Titans almost steal one, but keep themselves in that log jam now, having lost that game. Newcastle, despite missing all these players and just swimming desperately to stay afloat, all the results around them have still kept them in the mix because they're still only one, one win away. And it's it's just crazy. And the Warriors, they've had so much movement the whole challenge of being over here, injuries week in, week out. They got a couple of guys back on the weekend and now they've lost two or three again. Um, but again, the results around them and the Tigers losing it, it's, it is just an absolute crazy cluster to think that you can go all the way back from seventh to second last. There's eight teams within one win of each other and we're past the halfway point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's unbelievable, isn't it? It's, uh, I don't know whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. It just shows you the difference between... I guess our top six and our bottom six or our bottom eight, I mean, you could probably just cut the bottom two off, couldn't you? The Broncos and the, and the Doggies, and we sort of knew that was going to be the case coming into the season. You can look at the top in Penrith and Melbourne, and, okay, you go, yeah, we, we probably knew that coming into the season as well, but the difference between, you know, the, the sort of the four that sit below Penrith um, and, and Melbourne all the way down, like you said, to 14th, there's not much of a difference really, is there? No. Uh, an injury or two, um, a, a run of form, it, they just seem to be really, really patchy and probably with the exception of Manly, not many of those sides down the bottom really look like clawing their way into the eight. I think whoever whoever gets that seventh and eighth spot, they, they may be below 50% record. Well, At the halfway mark, though, I think seventh and eighth were below fifty percent. So for all the drama, like we said, that surrounded in particular Cronulla and the Raiders, they're one win out of the eight, and on four and against right now, they're ninth and tenth. So one win. If the Raiders beat the Dragons this weekend, straight away, they put themselves in a position to possibly move into the eight. Yeah, well, like the Titans, despite you know a couple of blowouts and a couple of wins, like again, just that that mix of teams, I'm. I'm flabbergasted that it's going so far back. Or sorry, I've mixed it up here. Or was that? Is that because of the buy? It's because of the buy. Sorry. Um, yeah, the buy. The buy. The, the buyers push the Cowboys up to 14. Sorry, but you know, technically, there's still six wins. So, looking at that, um, the next few weeks, some stuff's got to shake out. A lot of these teams start to play each other. Someone's got to take advantage. And as far as origin effect, like Cronulla. We're basically going to touch. The Raiders lost Jack, but he played limited minutes. Papali will go for the next game, but the next one's standalone, and then they'll get turnaround into their next game, so they'll potentially all be able to back up. There's an opportunity for somebody here. I don't know who it's going to be, but I think the Raiders in particular with their draw and getting a win on the weekend, if they're going to start making a run, the time has to be now. Yeah, it's, it looks like it. We had a look at the draw, didn't we, on, 
it was Sunday. Mm. We you don't want to rely on the draw, but it, it is looking a bit friendly. They've got a good, good little run coming up. There's a couple of hard ones in there. I think they've got Manly in the mix there and maybe Melbourne or someone after, but there's four or five in there of the next six or seven that it, all teams around them or under them. So they need to start banking some wins. It's a really good opportunity to possibly arrest things and get into the bottom of the eight. But, yeah, that wraps up set of six for this week. Jumping into the power rankings brought to you by the Penrith Solar Centre. Tackle your rising power bills head on this season with the help of solar energy. The team at PSC are passionate about helping Western Sydney Sinbin rising electricity bills for good. Find out how Penrith Solar Centre can make you and your family the real winners this season with quality solar solutions for you and your home, visit their website, www.penrosola.com.au, or give them a call, 1800-20-2930. Number one box head in the power rankings, who have you got? Uh, I've still got Penrith. Still got Penrith? Yeah, I think they're two. Just fake losses, really. I know they're losses, but it's not their best sign that's lost. And mm. Penrith beat Melbourne earlier in the year, so I'll stay with Penrith at one. Yep, well... I've put Melbourne there, and I think more so on the fact of the depth, what they've rolled through. They've kept winning. They won without those guys prior to origin. They've still jagged the last couple. It's proved a point to me, again, that if we lose one of the nines, that obviously we know that either of them are capable of playing 80 minutes in majority of teams in the NRL. Hughes has been better again. Nico's proved with Pappenhaus now that he can slot into that role. I think the fact we've got so much flexibility in the spine that we can drop somebody, put someone in, and they just play the role and they're as good, if not on, on par, um, has proved a real strength this year. Look, to keep winning through this period and prior to, considering all the injuries. Um, and the forward pack, they've rolled through a lot of guys there. A similar deal again. The, the way that things have panned out with injuries and change and suspension, uh, I think they've built up some really good roster depth and got some options for the back end of the season, which Penrith, I think now the value they get out of these two losses is they've had not much interruption, not many injury, not suspension. You need to get some guys some game time because if you do get an injury late and you have to call on somebody, you you want to know who's reliable. I think Tago in his second game on the weekend proved a bit of a commodity. You know, Sorensen's pretty solid. I think Jennings again, 230-something metres, 23 carries. There's a couple of guys that have proven the point, but they need to get an opportunity at some point. And for Penrith, you've banked the wins. Why not now? So we've obviously got them one, two, but I've got Penner of two. You've got Storm two. Yeah. Who's your third? Rabbitohs. Still got Souths. Right. Yeah, I think they're coming good. Their defence has really improved in the last few weeks. Uh, yeah, I, I like the bunnies. They smashed the eels a few weeks ago as well, didn't they? So. I've got Souths third, but again, I, I'm more doing this off the Wayne Bennett factor. I think they're honestly playing within themselves, the, the couple of scores they've caught prior to that and their performances in general aren't great, but I'm more banking on, which I don't like doing, that he's building towards what he did last year. Despite injuries, origin, resting some guys in the weekend and just doing enough, they sort of muddled in this territory last year and then in the back end they got red hot. Still does concern me though because I thought last year why they still lacked defensively. They're nowhere near as badly as what they've been this year. Defensively this year, They've been horrendous at times, and that really needs to be corrected. But I'm putting more faith in the fact that they do have a good 1-17. to They're going to get their way through this period, and Wayne Bennett really knows what to do at the right end of the season. Yeah. Plus, uh, it's going to be that 
Wayne Bennett factor, Adam Reynolds factor, that emotional side of it will kick in at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Number four, who have you got? Uh, the Eels. Alright. Well, despite the loss to Newcastle the week before after beating the Eels, I've put Manly there. Um, I think Manly in particular with the Fords and we've talked about a couple of the guys that have come in. Saab formed a better connection now that they've obviously got Morgan Harper on that edge of the field. Pasekas playing good. Tapau's had a fire lit under his backside. Um, I think Croker is slowly developing into a much better nine and finding some freedom there and enough confidence to get a win on the weekend after a slow start without Tom, which was the big issue at the start of the year. And all across the park, just their, their general effort and the way they play. Olakalatu has been a hell of a find. And Schuster yet to come back in, I, I really think similar deal. There's been a couple of guys that have got opportunities during that struggling period and uh, things are starting to churn out and come a little bit good. So if they can stay healthy, get Tom through the origin period and rest him on the weekend was a no-brainer in my opinion. I don't think they're a premiership threat, but I certainly think they could knock off a South or a Parramatta or whoever. Um, beating a Penrith or a Storm in back-to-back weeks to win a competition, I, I don't know about that, but... I think they've definitely thrown themselves right up into that category with the Eels and South right now. Mm. So, number five, who have you got? Yeah, I'm Yeah, and I've got Eels there. Um, win on the weekend, but again, in, in a couple of games, they've been found wanting. I know they got Melbourne earlier in the year, but it was without a couple of players in torrential rain. Um, they got that Roosters game. There was obviously the knockout of Teddy, etc., but they've also dropped a couple that people didn't expect them to drop, so... Uh, Still looking to see a bit there. And the Reed injury, obviously, is a concern. I don't know what's going on there. They said it might be a sublock shoulder, but still not clear on the timeline of when he's going to be back. Number six, I'm sure we're the same here, the Roosters. Yeah. Despite all the hurdles, still kicking along, still finding a way to win games. And, uh, yeah, still some quality players there. And a lot of guys getting some valuable experience. But seven and eight, this is where it gets interesting with that log jam. Who have you got at number seven? It's hard, isn't it? Because uh, I'm going to throw in Cronulla in there. Throw him in? Yeah, they've won three in a row, haven't they? So I'll go with the Sharkies. Yeah, it's, it's hard. The Cowboys just got beat by 50. They're not going in there. Mm. They're out. The Dragons just lost to the Bulldogs. That's pretty hard. <laughs> uh, but honestly, like I said, this, this mix I'm going, of... I'm going Cronulla, and I'm going to throw Canberra in there. Wow. Yeah. Off, off. Off, off, off beating Brisbane. <laughs> yeah, they're uh, back, baby. They're back, baby. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're they're great. Sixty-seven to one to win the comp. Don't go and back them. Uh, you're great. Well, I'm, I'm going to give some better for the doubt. The Cowboys. Well, tell me who's better. Tell me. Tell me who's in your seven or eight, you muppet. Oh, it's 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 certainly none Please. in the lot. I pick holes in every team from Newcastle Tigers Titans. Warriors, Raiders, Sharks, Dragons, Cowboys. Like, they're all laughable, really. Yeah, well, on current form right now, I'd be out of the, the four of Cowboys, Dragons, Sharks, Raiders. Sharks, like you said, have won a couple in a row, so I've thrown them in the mix. Raiders off the back of Brisbane, I won't do. I'll leave Cowboys at eight, even though they just got beat by 50, but I'm pretty sure they've won six of their last eight. So uh, not, not a great result on the weekend, but all of these teams in that cluster have been pumped at some stage. So flip a coin and good luck. Yeah, that's right. Should just be power rankings top six. 
Uh, well, that's brought to you by the Penrose Solar Center. As we said before, quality solutions. No one is better than Jake and the crew there. www.penrosolar.com.au or give them a call 1800 20 If you're a RIF person like ourselves or you're in Western Sydney, they're actually in Westfield's Penrith for the next two weeks. They've set up a stall there. Um, so if you're a local or from around the area and you're interested, you can go see their setup. They've got a hell of a setup there with all their equipment, what they do and they're there to talk, so Penrose Solar. Jake on Facebook, that. He does well with his uh, his advertising, old Jake. Yeah. Come good. Myers, one, one of my good mates, Robbie Hillier, calls Jake, he calls him Penrose Clive Palmer. Penrose Clive Palmer, oh, that's yeah. that. I don't know. Clive Palmer of Penrose, Robbie calls him, he goes, he's everywhere. I don't know whether to take that as a compliment or as an insult. No, no, it's a compliment. It's Oof. certainly a compliment. He can sell solar panels to... Um, anyone that bloke. Yeah, well, he's doing good. So if you're looking, Penrosala Centre, there is no one better. Reviews of the games from the weekend now, jumping in. Manly, 50-18 to 18 over the Cowboys, 12-0 start. Absolutely cruising. And uh, after that, Manly just woke up. They played direct. They went hard. They busted up the middle. And off the back of that, Cowboys compressed. They shifted. In particular, their left-hand side at that new right-hand edge. He had O'Neill. Pushed into the centres. Dearden's first game there. Tommy Gilt was playing on an edge. They were just absolutely torched by Manly. Tapau, Paseca, the roll on they generated. Croker jumping out. DC had an absolute field day. He had six offloads, 10-plus tackle busts. His try assist kicked him to death. And um, like I don't, I don't think you could say anyone was bad for Manly. Both their edges were deadly. Their forward pack was outstanding. Garrick did a great job at the back. The runaway try that he got there probably summed up the night. Uh, for Manly, it was, it was all positives and Jake off low minutes. Obviously, in the origin, backing up was a positive, got through plenty of work and, like I said, just real positive signs in a lot of areas there, in particular development uh, of Croker at nine, finding I look R2 in the back row, Schuster, even though he's out at the moment, uh, Harper, like I said, there's a lot of holes they had at the start of the year. They've slowly patched up guys or had people start to fit into positions and things are just looking good for Manly. Yeah, I thought Cowboys held their own. I think that Cowboys led maybe 12-0. They did. And, uh, and then they conceded 44 answer points. They looked good. It just felt shit. They didn't want to do the tough things. Cowboys are just... Maybe those 12 points came a little bit too easy for them. I, I don't know what it was, but they um, they just went away from what got them that 12-point lead. And as you said, Manly sort of woke up. But it was more the Cowboys doing than it was Manly. And... We've seen how quickly Manly can compile points when they get their tails up, and that was all she wrote. Yeah, I think a lot of people are questioning the coaching tactics, and I think Gordon Tallis asked again before the game, Todd Payton, about the time of the thing, and he told him to let it go. But in a real critical period there in the second half when they had conceded the 28 unanswered heading into half time, he had McLean, Tamalolo, and Hess all off the field at the same time, and instead of maybe getting them back in and trying to rest a bit of the momentum into the second half. They were still off for, you know, almost 15 to 20 minutes, and by then, the damage was done. They, they just got absolutely blown apart in the middle. As I said, Paseca, Tapau in particular. Tapau was the real leading force, but, yeah, Olek R2, Garrick had a field day, Cherry Evans, etc. Like, um, they got Foreign back into the mix. I'll be interested to see what they do the next few weeks once Schuster and Sirinan are available because at the moment... Um, you know, with the side they've got, they're big, they're powerful, they're aggressive. They've obviously found themselves now, like I said, with the development of Oleg R2, Schuster, like, do they keep foreign in? Like, they, they, they've got 
some decisions to make, or Desi's got some decisions to make about what he's going to do once everyone's back on board. Um, maybe Siren becomes a bench impact. Maybe Oleg R2 rolls back to the bench and plays as a middle. I don't know. Tofal Sipley was obviously doing a pretty good job there, and he's held that spot down. Can they push him back uh, and put Siren into the back row? Or does Schuster go there if they stick with Foreign? Do they prefer... Schuster in the halves after watching him against Parramatta, that big body that has those silky skills and can dig into the line. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not too sure, but it's a good headache to have if you're a Manly fan and Des Hasler. But for the Cowboys, the only headache they've got this week is from the arse kicking they got. Um, players out, the only bloke missing basically was Felt. And obviously late there, that, that reshuffle with O'Neill coming into the side there. Um, Dearden. If it wasn't bad enough, the way things were going at the Broncos, his first taste in a Cowboys jersey was a 50-point drumming as well. So, unfortunate. And I spoke to you the other week about it, talking about whether it was the right move with Clifford, considering they'd built up a nice rapport between their spine. But I guess in looking forward, they're probably considering what I said. They're not going to be a premiership threat. Clifford's already gone. There's nothing they can change about that. And it's probably best for all parties that he gets an early taste at Newcastle. Dearden gets an early taste here, but uh, not exactly the greatest of ways to start your uh, career in a Cowboys jersey. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Anything? No. Zippo. There you go. And the last point there, Kurt Deloise, WA. Got his debut on the weekend. Good to see uh, Radley and all his mad mates in the crowd. Always love that for a good debut. Played some uh, football with Parramatta, I think, before he came over to Manly, but always love seeing someone get a debut. So leaving that one behind. Cronulla, 19-18 over Penrith, and this is one of those games that you can truly say was a tale of two halves. In the first half, again, uh, for me, like last week, Penrith, a bit flat and caught on the back foot and Cronulla enjoyed uh, the best of it. In particular, I really enjoyed the the early try there out of yardage where Moylan shifted the ball. Mooley just busted Staines, who, to be honest, has been quite disappointing this year in particular. Um, so far, what he's contributed, gets it back inside to Moylan. They score late in the half, uncontested bomb. Nakora throws a Hail Mary and Johnson scores again. And then to ice things to go 18-0, we know how good they are on their long shifts, the halves linking, fullback getting involved, Kennedy, smooth as anything. Again, uh, Staines comes in, as does his centre partner, and the backer, I think, on that side of the, may have been Sorensen. And, uh, they land on the pass, but they're not effective on the ball, and they crash into the corner. But second half, or Penrith, uh, they woke up. I think a lot of guys that maybe struggled a little bit last week snapped into gear and realised that they're, they're good for this level or they're right for the level, and... They had the best of field position, territory. They couldn't turn it into points for a long time there, but Burton just cut back on the inside, catches some lazy forwards. They keep applying pressure. They probably blew a few chances. Burton, again, play five after a couple offloads, identifies some space, kicks for Tago, who had a good impact. And late in the game again, Burton grabs another try. 
gets it to 18 all or 16 18. They get a penalty goal late to make it 18 all, and Johnson snatches it away at the last minute with a field goal. Yeah, it's another fraud win. Another, uh, yeah, they get Penrith during origin, so they get to play their reserve grade side or, or but, and they struggle to beat them. So uh, I think it was more positives out of this game probably for the Panthers, particularly with that second half, like you said. But for Canola, I mean, it's it's two points. It's gonna it'll probably mean something at the end of the year, but that's why. You know, the, the competition, to say the competition is not severely impacted by origin is a fallacy because it is. And you get, you know, it's when you get teams, when you get to play some of these top teams, because oh, I think it was about six weeks ago, Penrith played with Cronulla at Penrith Stadium with both full rosters. So, um, look, Cronulla deserved the two points. I, I tip Cronulla, but again, you know, both, both best rosters are out there. There's no way in the world I'm tipping Cronulla. So, uh, well done to them. Yep. Bit of a concern. Know, I will take some positives out of it. And I guess so will Cronulla in that they've won three in a row now. And winning form is good form and it, it builds confidence. But uh, they're going to have to play better footy if they want to beat sides like Penrith later in the year. And again, they get a direct direct effect game this weekend they play the Cowboys who are directly above them so if you're Cronulla this is one of those ones you want to win if you are going to get yourself back in the mix but for Penrith like you said invaluable experience again getting Jennings a second run who was good I thought Burton same as last week absolutely busted his ass May was a little bit better but still a bit so-so but yeah more time under the belt for Sorensen Kenny playing off that bench role Tago got some time and had a good impact on the game I tell you what I really like Jermaine Hopgood I think Jermaine Hopgood's a guy, um, the way he started the game and he, how aggressive he is, especially defensively, you kind of look at and if they need him at the back end, like I said, getting these guys some game time is absolutely invaluable. But um, for the Sharks, getting some signings under the belt, getting some guys back on the field. Talakai, obviously, back in the mix. Rudolph signed and playing well. Nakora showed some of his best form after having a down year last year. Braley's been good all year. Moylan. Now, the fact that I guess he might be secure, Ramian's back in, Mulitalo's a couple of games back, James is a couple of games back, things are, are looking up, but it's it's a must-win this weekend if they're going to push forward off the back of this result. Yep. So, leaving that one behind. Uh, the Roosters up against the Titans, absolutely crazy. Uh, had, a, had a bet on this one, they almost went down in flames. Did not see this coming, but... Wow, the Roosters were red hot in the first half. We saw, unfortunately, those defensive frailties that we've seen in the Titans to get out to an 18-0 lead. Sam Walker had his hands over absolutely everything again. Uh, The short pass for Crichton, very, very tasty. The double pump on play five to get Tupo, just enough space on the outside. You're thinking this could have been an absolute cricket score, and the Titans had had 31 tackles inside 20 compared to the Roosters' two, and finally found a try in halftime with Fogarty, but... The second half, they concede early. It goes to 24-4. Walker backing up Lamb, and you think, okay, they are going to go on with it, and that's not the case. At 30-10, to 10, or I think it was 30-6, to 6, there's a sin bin. Uh, you guys find three tries in that period of time, start to find some holes. The Roosters fall in a bit of a hole. Fogarty has a huge impact on the game with the hand in a couple of those tries, and you're coming home with a wet sail. The Roosters look absolutely gassed off the back of that Proctor picks up a grubby kick and thinking they're going to steal one and what a hell of a turnaround and 
with a short side where I have no idea how Ikevalu gets space to score considering there wasn't numbers, he gets to tiptoe the sideline and score a try to equalise the game. And in the crunch moment of all people, again, the baby who has shown just absolute brilliance in every game he's played and he went off busted with a bad shoulder to come back on to kick the winning field goal, Sam Walker. Yeah, I didn't see a lot of this game because we, we played at the same time. But um, I watched the mini and, yeah, who can be surprised? The Titans played great offensive footy and played very little defence. That's them. So if they score more points than you, then you're going to get beat. But, um, or if they out-shoot out you in an offensive shootout, which is what they want, there's just no defensive resilience. Even at the back end there, like... How the Roosters score in that corner, I've got no idea. No, I was blown away. They weren't stripped for numbers. They just, the winger was looking in. It's just really, really poor defence. And it's inexcusable. It cost them the game. So, you know, when you hit the lead, particularly with on the back of such a big comeback, you had all the momentum, and then you come up with a drop ball and put yourself under pressure, and then you can't defend it. Like, that, that's why you're not going to play finals footy. That, that is finals footy. Hmm. It's, it's about minimising errors. And it's about, when you make errors, being able to defend them. And the Titans can't do any of that. No, they sure can't. And uh, surprisingly the out Roosters, of this one... The Roosters were, I thought, pretty ordinary, to be fair. Well, that's... Until that, the Titans come back, they, they, were, pretty, they were pretty poor. That 62 miss... They showed at the end. They, you know, they, they find a way to win. The Titans find a way to lose. Well, that's what winning clubs do, and that's what losing clubs do. 62 missed tackles for the Roosters. That's something you wouldn't associate with them. There you go, yeah. The Gold Coast still had 38. They had 100 misses total for the game, and ineffective tackles was just as high. But like you said, um, maybe with a lot of those young guys around there, they're a little bit more defensively frail at the moment. I don't know, but that Sinbin certainly hurt with Marshke. Um Kieran playing in at nine, different role for him. Did a pretty solid job, goal kick well. But I, I guess more what we said earlier, just real good learning phase here and getting guys in at another debutante Ben Thomas who was part of the premiership winning side with Radley the Marshke twins etc another debutante their number 7th for the year Sawali had some moments walk up we said Lamb um, but the biggest of all in the day was game 250 our man Jared he was he was huge he played 80 minutes busted his ass got to plenty of work and um, like I said he, he looks revitalised potentially I guess under the challenge of having all these veterans and a lot of guys out of the side needing to come forward now and, and be that leader. And maybe this is the challenge he needs at this point in his career because I, I certainly think he sparked up, particularly the last four to six weeks. Yeah, he has, definitely. Um, Playing some really, really good footy. Manu showed his quality again, getting that opportunity at fullback, some of his runs, nice try, some of his passes. I have no doubt when he's off contract next time, someone's going to throw the checkbook at him to be a fullback walker. Continues to show his quality in Crichton. Uh, made a pretty solid return, but uh, a questionable try that had some people divided whether it was a double movement or not after the tackle by young Jaden Campbell. Did you see that? Yeah, I, I did think it was a double movement. Mm. Because I had the ball carrying arm touch the ground, yes. Had the tackle been affected, yes. Did he then progress the ball? Yes. So I thought it ticked all the indicators of what a double movement is, but. Yeah, I'm not going to jump up and down. That certainly didn't cost the Titans a game. No. But, you know, I'm, I'm also one that I thought Kevin Proctor should have been for his high shot. So I could be impartial and watch a game of footy. I'm not your traditional fan that's going to scream and shout about calls that went against us. I, 
from my, my, my book, I thought the Crichton one was a double movement, but I also thought Proctor deserved 10, so that's footy, you know, you win something, you lose something. Yep, and I agree with Trent Robertson after the game about the consistency, and Madge said it again on the weekend as well, and I think Anna's Lee clarified today that a couple of those decisions were wrong, but Trent Robinson was basically saying, hearing the referee say he didn't lay down, so I'm happy with that. Like, you, you, you can't base things off, similar to what we say about suspensions and injuries, you can't base it off the result of the tackle. It is what it is. It needs to be clear cut. Is that a sin bin? Yes or no. Is that a send off? Yes or no. Is that a penalty or end report? Yes or no. You can't base things off the result, and if someone's going to lay down, and we, we saw it yesterday with Hetherington, he barely got slapped, he chose to lay down, he got a penalty. If he would have stood up, he wouldn't have got a penalty. Yeah, exactly. But, but yeah, uh, it, how long's a piece of string with all that stuff? Yeah, well, we've had a fair, fair run with it the last couple of weeks. But yeah, it's from one of the biggest advocates. I think it's it was a very simple and smart thing to say. But um, yeah, still obviously going to be some weeks, and we saw it in another game. We're going to talk about the Brisbane game and inconsistency there. But um, yeah, in the end, the Roosters find a way to win. The Titans find a way to lose, like you talked about. So um, Wallace Fogarty. Jaden Campbell, I thought, had a pretty good game. Again, there were some good guys there, but defensively, we've, we've spoke about it. If they can't fix that side, they're not going to play finals football. Despite the inconsistency of that big glut of teams, this is a result that would have been huge to steal considering how far down they were. But um, another notch of the belt of the young man, Walker, a huge effort by the 250-gamer, Jared, Manu, Angus, etc., and a lot of those guys playing in different roles like Kieran at nine, etc., Souths and Newcastle, 24-10. This was nothing to ride home about. I thought Newcastle were better this week. In particular, made a real influence of their line speed, trying to cut down time and space for Souths to play. Everybody knows how Souths want to play. They want to get left. They want to strip you of numbers. And even with uh, better intent and line speed this week, they still find a way because they've just got too many quality players to open up space. You know it's coming. You can only stop it so many times. And in particular, even if a pass is a little bit off for... You know, they don't dig in as much or you do have a matchup on the outside, whether it be Luttrell, Cody or Johnston speed to create enough space, they just find a way to make it work. And uh, his hat-trick was the difference. Again, not overly impressive. I think they just did enough to get the job done. Luttrell backed up well, Kalamatungi, and good to finally see. Uh, one of those kids they were talking about, Peter Mamuzilos, with Cook getting rested. He's one of the multiple players they signed, along with Lachlan Ilias, Blake Taff, etc., uh, for their future spine. He, he got a game, did all right in his stint, but for Newcastle, same thing. Um, they've sort of been holding out for. There, there was a bit of effort, but they're hanging out for players. This week, it looks like they're finally getting to get some back. I didn't see the lineups earlier, but there was talk that Ponga, Clamour, Pierce were all going to be back on deck this week. Given the way the results have gone around them, like we said, it still opens them up with an opportunity. Um, but just when they start to look like they're getting people back, they get another cruel blow with Bradman Best, whose injuries since he's come into grade, have been just awful. He's been very injury-prone, and it looks like another six to eight weeks. Yeah, what's new? They're, yeah, injuries are crawling. Newcastle and South, just, they look, it was just a good origin win, origin period win, just eke one out. I thought Latrell, Latrell was a little bit off. He had a few errors in his game, but, yeah, they just, they got the job done. When they needed to lift the gear, they did. And, um, yeah, they were never really any strife. I didn't feel they they did it quite comfortably. Nah, definitely played with themselves though. But again, um, managing their way through this period, rested a couple of guys, backed one or two up, and got another debutant in there. So 
Uh, yeah, definitely not blowing away, but at the same time, it's another two points and just getting themselves ready for the back end of the year. Whether they can turn on like they did last year is yet to be seen, but um, I think a well, lot of... Get They're going to be there. Yeah. They're going to be in the top four, so, you know, the new comp starts and away we go. Mm-hmm. Canberra Broncos, uh, this was, like we said, a bit of a lobby here for Canberra. If they stuff this one up, you'd be generally concerned, but for the Broncos, uh, another beatdown. Seventh halves pairing, Carmichael Hart made his return. I don't think he did anything drastically wrong, but again, coming into that side, it's, it's hard to have a big effect. Uh, early try to Chris was terrible. They're literally sliding sideways and backwards on their try line. He basically fell over the line. The Harawira and Ira one not long after where he hit the hole, you know, just another one of those ones that gives you great concern. They ended up finding a nice try there with Gamble with a, with a kick forward and uh, one later in the half as well to go in at 22-10 and you kind of thought, well, you know, they've showed a little bit of life. Tessie News tribe was a nice touch there to grab it for himself and go through and see that. But you thought they need to come out. Can they steady? Can they hold Storm for maybe, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes? But early on, just concede too easily again. Papali crashes in. Um, you obviously had the Gula try, which was another crashing as well before halftime. Like front row was crashing over. was never ideal. Valame rolls in, and not long after that, Hetherington gets sent off, which was an absolute joke. Um, anyone that's... I heard Kenny trying to defend it and the situation on the radio yesterday, and I was just baffled. Like, you need to react quicker, or if his level was where it should have been in the first place, he didn't get hit. Like, mate, a bloke got fucking tripped in midair and headbutted his shoulder. Like, what, what, if that's not an accident, and what we've spoke about this whole time about the rules and there needs to be room for an accident, I don't know what an accident is. Yeah, but he's, yeah, he made contact with the head. I just think it was, the referee just got it wrong. Like, it's probably sin bin, penalty, on report, whatever you want to look at. I, I don't think there's an argument that he hit him in the head. I think he had no intention to hit him in the, the head. Argument, the bloke tripped into it. Yeah, but you can't prove intent. So, it's, yeah, I, I didn't think it was a send-off. I thought it was ridiculous, but he hit him in the head. So, the, you're never going to, you can't just say it's an accident and then expect there to be no punishment for an accident because they're not talking about intent. They're talking about contact with head, whether it's intentional or not. It's the contact and the level of contact, how hard, the force of the contact. So, I, yeah, I thought at worst it was a sin bin. I thought send-off was just ridiculous. Yeah, well, I think they proved their point when they only gave him a fine, and I think even that's a joke. I think you deserve nothing. When a bloke jumps, gets ankle tap midair and headbutts you in the shoulder and you get sent off, that's it, to the height of insanity. I was absolutely baffled. It, yeah, I wouldn't go that far, but I think it was a mistake. It didn't ruin the game. The game was already over, but I think probably the more disappointing point if you... That, 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 that's, that's probably why also it was an easier call for the ref. Well, the bunker... Well, the, game, the game's over, so... Yeah. Know, I'm, I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to send it. Yeah, I don't know, but I think... If you look at this from a Canberra perspective, when they got him down to 12, you would have hoped they would have gone on with it. They had 21 minutes to do something. Jack comes up with a ripper try, but other than that, uh, they kind of struggled to break him down. They got a little bit frustrated. They got caught in the niggle, and a few guys got put on report, which was disappointing. You you really would have sat there at that point if you were Ricky Stewart, I thought, and think, all right, let, let's get real ruthless here. Let's get three or four tries while they're down to 12 and really stamp home the advantage. That A couple denied late, but... Um, was a bit disappointed that they got bought in to a bit of the niggle there and had a few guys put on report. But nevertheless, 
38-16. They grab a win. They break the ugly streak they've been going through. Papali comes back, plays well. Gula showed some good form uh, as well. Joe Tapine got a run under his belt. I thought Bailey Simonson was solid at the back, and that, that's an area where they, they're going to have to address. They've tried Aikens. They're now trying Bailey because they know Nickel Clogstar is not coming back. Tomoko's game in the centres, I don't know how he didn't get a game earlier. The form of Curtis Scott, a couple of those guys, has been poor. He's young, he's powerful, and uh, again, I know it was only against Brisbane, but it was a pretty good start, so I think he proved himself quite good. And Jack obviously backing up, and Hodgson looks like he's, out of all the noise and everyone to be affected and all the comments around him, that he's trying to rally this group together and just play football. So... We'll see if they can build on it. Yeah, you'd like to think so, but we're going to see next week if they can build on it. They get the Dragons who are in a bit of a vulnerable spot right now. As we said before, it's a really good chance again uh, to get a winner with someone just above or around them and hopefully try to get themselves in the mix for those two spots that open at the bottom of the eight. For the Broncos, it's the same old, same old. Seven halves, pairings, where do you go from here? What happens next week? What do you change? There's not a whole lot they can change. Um, good yeah, and so someone posted on our that's page. That's probably the problem. Somebody posted on the page earlier today. Who do you think was worse, the Broncos of this year or the Broncos of last year? And I think I saw most people said that this year, uh, last year's Broncos uh, were the worst side. Um, well, the, the publicity around how bad they went last year was a lot higher because Kevy's a golden child and. Seabold was a whipping boy, so I think it's also how the media portrays it. I, I don't know, but you'd have to look at numbers. I, yeah. I'm not usually a numbers man, but you know, you're comparing how bad someone is, I, you'd have to look at points conceded and, and things like that, average points conceded per game. I, I don't know. Yeah, well, honestly, I thought defensively last year they were poor. I think this year they're, they're no better, in all honesty. I think they're as poor, if not worse, this year defensively. If the attack was complicated last year or too complicated, well, this year I don't know what it is. And again, he was criticised last year for picking and sticking with the halves, but obviously tried to build some combinations. I think this year, Kevy's obviously cycling through and part of that's been injury, part of that's been form, but most people have not been given more than a game. Part of that, part of that has also been a reaction to last year because everyone just wanted to see Seabold roll the roster over and punt blokes and... You know, for, if anything, Seabold was probably too loyal to some of those guys last year. Mm. Well, I can get... Yeah, but Kevy's probably gone the opposite way. I can get one to work through your halves, but him being a half himself, I think you'd understand. Different combinations of that. They've had seven. It's like a half changes every week. Mm. And that's that's one area. I'm not. It's not like they're winning the middle battle or winning yardage and doing a lot of other things to help their halves out, but you're not going to help halves and in particular the stocks they have right now build any confidence or form or combination if you're not going to stick with anyone the only position he's sort of stayed solid on so far is he's nine in Turpin which again he doesn't have a lot of option there Hetherington technically he's been playing off the bench as a middle has come through as a nine he's not playing as a nine Pakes was an Australian schoolboy half who was not given a chance to play at half he got his first sort of run off the bench at nine on the weekend Levi's had a little taste and been pushed out. That's about the only spot in the spine that's been stable the whole time. Fullback, he's obviously ran through a couple of guys. Tessie's back in now. Azarko's been there. Um, but, yeah, in terms of halves, Hunt played on the weekend. Gamble was the saviour a couple of weeks ago and they won a game. Then he was out. 
Um, Kelly injured, was forced out, which obviously didn't help. Croft's out of the mix. I think he's injured. Milford's injured. It's a combination of everything, but in particular, yeah, I think they've gone about it two completely different ways, but it's still just a bad football team. Yeah. So nothing's changed there, but um, moving on. Storm Warriors, smash up. It was tight for about 20 minutes. Things were stable, and then Melbourne just blistered at the back end of the half, pulled them apart on the edges. The dual hooker situation, again, when they play together, is just absolutely outstanding to watch. Contrasting styles, but just really good players. And second half came out again, found some early points, and it wasn't really until the back end of the half that the Warriors played uh, some okay football, let the hair down a little bit, and found a hat-trick for Ken Marmolo, who uh, is leaving the club. He was given an immediate release, wasn't supposed to play, but an injury to Rocco Berry put him in a situation where he played. He was very emotional. Uh, and then his manager, which is very, very rare that it comes out, came out not long after because uh, the way it was all portrayed that he was leaving and this, that and the other and said he didn't want to leave. He was pushed out, basically told um, with the options that they had that he wouldn't be renewed beyond 2022, start a year to run and to look elsewhere. So as you do, um, you find the option, he found that option, but I think you could see at the back end of the game how much it hurt him um, and how he honestly... Looks like he doesn't want to leave. And I heard one of the commentators make the joke, maybe he's crying because he's going to the Tigers. But, um, yeah, I think it's a sad story when something like that happens. And it shows the other side where people say all the time, you know, between players and clubs, clubs are as ruthless sometimes as what the players are. He, he has another 12 months to run. And clearly with the stocks they've got coming through in Berry and they've got Walsh on board, they've got a young kid, Vallejo, who's playing in Cup. Kosi's come up and played, etc. Pompey, they've seen a lot of progression for some of the younger guys. They've made a decision that, um, you know, he, he surplus the needs beyond his contract. And, yeah, he's, I, I think he's a good player. I think it's a good pickup for the Tigers. I hope he goes well, but um, it kind of surprised me, to be honest. Yeah, it did. It surprised me as well. Um, but this result also surprised me. I thought with some of the guys being rested, be a closer game. Fanul Blake returned couple of guys uh, yeah, obviously missing Walsh takes a bit of a spark out of it but they just got blown away their middles had no impact on the game their errors didn't help defensively pretty pretty average and Melbourne again like I said roll through their squad get more game time to a lot of guys and I think this period realistically again has been invaluable to the back end of the year and getting guys experience uh, Trent Lorio has gotten lots of minutes the last few weeks which has been helpful Dean Aramai has played a couple of games now he'll be competing next year I guess for a vacant wing spot, Eisenhuth, as we know, has spackfield a lot of positions, but has been playing big minutes in a lot of games. Penne may be moving on, but he's getting minutes as well. Um, just it's invaluable, and their spine. Cooper got those few games, obviously playing there. Nico's played a lot of football and is now leading the league in trisis, which is absolutely insane. Um, Cheese and Harry, in their own right, both very good hookers. But when they play together, it's great to watch. And Jerome Hughes, I thought, was good again as well. Munster, second kick within a week and still not in trouble. Yeah, I thought that's just ridiculous. Yeah, it doesn't. And this is, again, same as you, I'm impartial to all these things. I don't care if you play for my team. And I don't care how hard you kick. The fact that you've struck out and how it's been two in a week and nothing's come of it besides a fine, uh, I'm a bit confused. Yeah. Or it's similar to the Reynolds bit when he used to just trip all the time. And he never seemed to get in trouble for it. He always got yeah. seemed to get. You know the other thing as well. Or an early guilty plea. Yeah. 
play or he'd, um, you know, he'd cop a week here and there. But even if it's minor, right? You want to really hurt him. He's a highly paid player. Don't just find him 1500 bucks. Fucking slam him. Yeah. Even if it's a t- love tap, like both of them seem to be on minor, I go, okay, you've kicked the bloke. Five grand. He does it twice in a week. Come back again and go, all right, there's 10 grand. Yeah. <laughs> like, game time, one thing. Yeah, it's not the worst thing in the world. It's pretty soft, but you don't want to be putting that example out there. And in general, yeah, like, it shouldn't be part of his makeup. And Craig Bellamy said as much after, uh, quite sternly, that that needs to disappear from his game. And I'm sure behind the scenes, it was much more violent and a lot of spit and that coming out. But, um, yeah, he, he definitely needs to be better. He didn't have a good game. For uh, the Maroons, played in a dinner suit by his own words, which I'd agree with. And again, this year for Melbourne, um, he's had a couple of good games. But again, overall, I think he's been okay. I think between Pappenhausen when he's been on the field, the two nines when they've been on the field, Jerome Hughes, so far, he's probably contributed the least amount from our spine. Yeah, that was fair. So hopefully the back end he comes good. Um, I've brought it up years prior. I don't, don't think he was a huge contributor in the grand final or the finals run last year. He was hampered by a knee. 2018, again, I didn't think he was huge. And in the grand final, obviously, been twice. I, I still think his best finals game or big game for Melbourne is the 2014 week one game that we went to where they rolled the Roosters and he played fullback. I still can't really think of a marquee finals game yet from Cameron Munster at the Melbourne Storm. Um, so... Hopefully, I'm sure game two he'll turn up at Suncorp because he generally never, he certainly hasn't played two bad origin games in a row. But um, from the Melbourne side of things, I hope at the back end of the year when it matters uh, that he can get his game on. But for Melbourne, otherwise, rolled through the Warriors. The Warriors, more concerns. They've now got an injury. Tavita Harris, Torn Peck, looks like he's going to be out for the season. The cut that Wade Egan got was terrible. Um, he's going to miss some time now. They've already had guys coming in and out left, right, and center, and their forward pack, their outside backs, and the situation of being here. Walsh will return next week, so I assume Sheck will push to the wing. Fanua Blake will be better for the run. Ken gone. They'll be hoping that Rocco Berry is healthy and ready to go because otherwise they're going to have to roll someone else in there. Um, and half-wise, I guess O'Sullivan will probably have to come back in the mix unless they look at putting Walsh into the halves as well. They've talked about that. And putting Rogers at the back, I don't know. Hooker options. Sense. Mm. Hooker options are very slim. I think they're probably going to have to go for Jazz Tavunga off the top of my head. I don't think they've got another hooker besides Egan. Um, so, yeah, they've, they've certainly, same deal, had not a lot of luck where week in, week out, they've been able to consistently pick a football team. But Are they allowed alone? Are we still... I uh, don't think so. But... Well, they, sh- they should be. The fact that they're living here... This week... We may see the young bloke that we've talked about before who was killing SG Ball and the year off happened, Tanula Otokolo. I don't know if he was selected, but he was upgraded to the top squad. He's been in the 21 a few times. He's a good up-and-coming nine. It's probably earlier than expected, but he's been playing up there at Redcliffe uh, with an injury this week. If they threw him on the bench, he might get some minutes. I'm not too sure what they're thinking or if they go with Jazz, but can't see Jazz playing 80 at nine. You wouldn't but think so, no. See what they come up with when we look at the lineups later on. Eels Tigers, 40 to 12. Uh, probably closer until the Sinbin happened, to be honest. 14, 6 half time. Eels had some opportunities, probably on top of things, but when that Sinbin happened early second half to Sean Bloor, there was basically three tries in five minutes, which just took the game away from him. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. Fair comment. It's probably what we expected, really, isn't it? Was there anything in this game that shocked you? Not really. I think 
I thought they were sort of in the mix, but again, discipline and errors, uh, and you know, putting together back-to-back performances is just a struggle for the Tigers. Defensively, missed tackles again. No, they're just, they're just better. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. I thought the Tigers probably had to jump them early, but then this is what we we're talking about last week with the Tigers. Like you can, you can Yahoo what you want, but you beat up on a reserve grade team, and then now you're running out against a you know a top four team, and you just they're not up to it. Nah, no, like you said, consistency week to week, errors and discipline. Fifty missed tackles. You know that sin being at a critical moment, like it was just a stupid play. Um, wasn't needed, and they paid dearly for it. They got shredded on that edge. The missed tackles, like I said, were fifty in particular. They ran a lot down there. Moses after dropping one early, which was completely embarrassing, makes up for it. Um, scores that one. Gutherson at his hand and everything as usual. Brown's second game back, I think he makes a hell of a difference in the mix of their spine there, particularly now that they're missing Marnie and Lussick did a good job um, playing there. Did a really good job. And Papali'i, who's been absolutely outstanding all year, their best forward, was just that and more again. The amount of tackle breaks, the damage he generates, the what happens around him from his carries, whether it be second phase or quick play of the balls and the traffic he drags in. Like 15 runs, 12 tackle busts. Like blokes to hit double digits or even have three or four each week is huge. But he's been on another level this year. I, I don't even know how to explain how he's played. They got plenty off him. Paul, I was the only one who backed up. He was okay. In general, I thought they were okay. It wasn't great. But again, the, the big point to take out of this is when the sin bin happened, they just tore him to shreds. Yeah. So on the Tiger side of things, yeah, disappointing. Um, and that moment was probably the big thing, but yeah, defensively and, and consistency, we need to see it week to week. Um, with errors, penalties, and discipline in general, and just staying in the game for 80 minutes. They, they, they took themselves out of this game. Exactly. So, disappointing. But uh, next week, they play the Storm. So, they're going to go back to back weeks. They got Penrith at a good time. Parramatta, not really origin affected, probably not the greatest, and they'll get Melbourne next week, potentially at full strength, depending on what lineup they name. So, uh, it's not getting any easier for the Tigers. And the last game of the round that we had here was Dragons-Bulldogs. And in all honesty, full credit to the Bulldogs. They were outstanding. They were scrappy. They wanted to do exactly what's in their name. Uh, they were the dogs. They got into the fight. Dragons just never really woke up. I don't think they wanted to play through the middle. We were watching it, and we said as much. They were looking to pass their way out of trouble. They weren't looking to roll and try and build momentum, whereas on the flip side of it, the, the Bulldogs just got down and nitty-gritty. They were 44 from 46. They completed high. Thompson, in particular, led the way, trying to roll through the middle there. Meany was solid at the back. Jackson, despite the bin, was good. Elliott and uh, Avarillo had one of his best games in first grade, did what he does best, just run the football. Yeah, exactly. The, the Bulldogs just wanted it more. They played with more ticker. They played in a level of energy well above what the Dragons are willing to produce. And they just wanted, as you said, they, they wanted to do it this software. Mm. And Marshall King was huge. Massive difference to their middle. Actually brought some sort of accountability to the ruck. Ran a little bit, probed, stole a try there. Like a couple of the tries as far as dummies. Like the first one that Avarillo threw, he didn't even have to throw. Bird just went up past the ball, pushed through a hole. Marshall King on the line caught Dufty out. Dufty bit before he'd even turned his head. He just walked into the in goal. Um, and a critical moment probably there was when the sin bin happened to Jackson, which gave them a chance to get on top. 
instead of scoring, they conceded. Ben Hunt kicks it dead. They go the full length of the field, concede a try, which was a real worrying sign, and it, it turned out to be that way. So positive sign, like we said there, getting a win, and uh, a couple of those guys playing well. Marshall King, uh, that, that was a big, big in. I think he's pretty undervalued for them, and probably despite the fact the nine situation long-term, he's probably not, you know, a world-beater number nine. They could do much worse. I know they're struggling to find somebody right now, but if they can't get anyone, um, I'd definitely be trying to keep him. No, he's, he's a good footballer. Really, really classy footballer. But, um, yeah, I think, along like I said, Thompson's been leading the way all year. A couple of those other guys got on the back. Marshall King, huge difference in the middle, and Avarillo, Meany, etc. Um, Shook, a couple of games in now, showing some good signs. So, all positives for the, the dogs, but... Uh, the Dragons, back-to-back weeks now. Dufty's moving on. Norman's moving on. And people making the argument, well, why would you do that? Look at the effect it's had on the players. Well, the field's your currency. If you're on a contract, play good football. Whether you're on contract, coming off, wanted, not wanted, etc. there's only one way to get a contract. It's to play good footy. So they've done the right thing. They've cleared the air. These guys know their situation. The only thing left to do now is go out and play good football. And the fact they're willing to give them that opportunity, knowing that they're going to move on, is also another positive because the club doesn't have to do that. If a club knows right now they've got Sullivan and Amone, they could can Norman right now if they want to. If they're happy with Sloan or they think Ramsey's good and they want to play the for guys and some other guys and push Dufty out to move forward, they could do that as well. So instead of excuses and bitching and moaning or anything else that's come around, I think Norman owned it and said the other day he kind of knew it was coming. He knows those kids are good. Um, the best thing they can do is just play good football. And if not, if I'm the Dragons, honestly, I know they're in the eight, which is probably why they haven't made the change yet, but knowing what your future is going to be, whether it's a Monet or Sullivan, I'd, I'd be more inclined to play him right now. Yeah, I'm with you. I particularly think I'm playing the way they did yesterday. And same Unless with Ramsey. Just, like, Ramsey... Yeah, Ramsey's been patchy, but coming through the juniors, he carved up at that position. He's made some errors, but if they're moving on from Dufty and they've got Sloan there as well, well, what are we waiting for? Yeah, just put, put him there and let him make mistakes. Well, probably thinking that they're a chance of making the eight. Yeah, so they're keeping those guys in. I get that, and they might wait until later in the year, which is fine. But at the, at the point of again, do we push for that for what, or do we get progress? If they know that Sloan and Rams are the future, I think Sloan's played maybe one or two cup games, and he's still only young. But accelerate the development if that's what you've got locked in, which is what they do. Get him playing cup get Ramsey an opportunity at one. If at the back end of the year you feel Sloan's ready and you're not happy with Ramsey, give Sloan a game or two to finish the year up. If not, they go into the preseason competing for that position. Same as Sullivan and Amone. If Sullivan's injured right now, I think I saw his name the week before and then it wasn't listed this week, but you've already played Amone three or four times, chuck Amone in there. Give him a couple of games. Um, when yeah. Sullivan's healthy, he gets that opportunity. No different to the back line. If you know, if you got those guys back and healthy and the Fagai twins and that, if... Pereira, who's been linked elsewhere and been up and down, or Willie has been in out, aren't in the plans. Lomax is obviously going to come back. Ravalawa's obviously going to be there. Get the guys in. Yeah. Start the process now. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, yeah, I guess that's their decision to make. They're still in the mix right now. They won well, a couple of... the mix right. It's a mix of winning and also moving guys on that you're not going to... Hmm. Uh, they're not going to be in the next year and giving other guys opportunities while still giving yourself the best chance to win. That's the balance that Griffin's going to find. Mm. And same for fans. Right? Moment, in the next couple of weeks, you're going to learn how many of those blokes can actually take bad news but still play well. Because mm. if, if you're judging by what they do on the weekend, 
you know, there's a few blokes there who, you know, really need to pull their socks up. Hmm. In particular, they were disappointing in the middle of the field. I thought their best middle was Blake Laurie. Yeah, um, he ripped in, and like we said, in general, they they just really went backwards after a, a positive start. They, they were sort of in the mix. They were a bit clunky. Norman put that kick in for the try, and you thought, okay, they might shake off the cobwebs here, but that sin bin followed up by Hunt kicking it dead, and they rolled down the field and scored straight away. It just went downhill from there. He, he made a couple more errors. No one really put a stamp on the game. No one really took control. Um... Like I said, Laurie was the one guy you saw that was fighting for everything and, and getting involved. And, you know, I think probably what summed up his attitude compared to most in his team is when he sprayed Jack Heathering from filleting down. Yeah, it's good. I, I loved it. And he said, I had respect for you up to that moment. You're a front row. Um, legit spray. And I think Jack Hetherington just proven again, legit crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Blokes he had a control. But full credit to the Bulldogs. Good win. Um, good to see. Like I said, a couple of guys return. They're expecting a few more guys back in the next few weeks. They're talking about Fire Talamara and a few more, so um, hopefully a few more wins at the back end of the season and a few more positives as far as, again, progress and development and getting those guys in. We talked about Shook getting some game time. There might be a couple other guys knocking on the door, but, yeah, for the Dragons, just errors, lack of possession, lack of effort, and probably summed it up, like we said, you could talk about metres, completions, everything. Possession was 33 minutes to 23, and they made 445 tackles to the Dogs 298. So, you're never going to win a game of football like that. But, there you go. That wraps up the reviews of the games from the weekend. Jumping into our tips and previews for round 15, and on the weekend, perfect round box head. You got eight. Yep. Everyone else got seven, so now in the standings, you're on 79, I'm on 77, Gossip's on 81, Roast on 82, so you've pulled yourself back in, uh, I think, the last two weeks with a couple of good scores, so that's worked out well. And this segment... They didn't even get that far ahead. I swear they went that far ahead before. Ah, they were. We had a couple of bad weeks there. I looked at it today because I looked at it. At one point there, we were almost five behind. I think there was a week there where we, a couple of us got four or five and... Dean from the Dean from the roast had a couple of rounds there where he tipped a few outsiders that shocked me, but that he pulled them off. So he's been all right with the tips so far. But uh, these odds obviously brought to you by our favourites, Bluebet. There's no one better to bet with. Go on www.bluebet.com.au or download the app today. They gave us an extra flutter for our charity on the Origin, which obviously didn't pan out. We backed the Fox to score. First, second, or third, he was the only one who didn't score in that back line. Everyone else got 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 a piece of the love. Uh, and on the weekend, who'd we go? We, we missed a few games again, just around coaching in the weekend. Um, so we're a bit late to the party there. I think we backed Madison in the Parramatta game. Yeah, we did. Because he's been on a bit of a bit of a tear, which unfortunately didn't play out. So the balance is still sitting on three ninety nine. But I need to set myself a reminder because I keep forgetting at the start of the weekend, and I've missed a game the last few weeks that I wanted to bet on. So. Hopefully we can get back on board the winning train this week. Um, but to kick us off for this weekend, it is the Broncos up against South Sydney. And for the Broncos, Xavier Coates has been named despite pulling out last week. So we'll see what happens there. Dale Copley, uh, he's been taken to the extended bench. Tessie New has held his spot at fullback. Carmichael Hunt gets another run on the halves. He's at 5'8". With Albert Kelly still out, and Tommy Flegler gets the third end jersey back. Asiata goes back to the bench. Keenan Palacia replaces Corey Pakes on the bench, and Reese Kennedy makes his comeback. 
after a long stint out with a, a really bad leg infection. And for the Rabbitohs, Damian Cook, Cameron Murray, Dane Gagai, and Jai Arrow all return, which are big ins. Benji Marshall drops out of the squad completely, along with the debutante from the weekend, Peter Mamazoulos, while Jacob Host, Jaime Selle, and Braden Burns go back to the interchange. Jaden Sewer and Liam Knight have been named out of the 17 in the reserves. That's interesting to see. So, despite who they've named, getting all those guys back and they're playing Brisbane, I think this one's pretty much a no-brainer. Rabbitohs. 100%. And with Blue Bet, their heavy favourites, $1.14. 5.50 for the Broncos with Blue Bet, minus 16.5 is the line there. Second game of the weekend, when you move to Friday, the early game, the Cowboys back home in North Queensland, up against the Sharks, the team directly below them. Big implications as far as that log jam is concerned. Kyle Felt comes back onto the wing. Justin O'Neill drops out of the side. Mitch Dunn is back in the starting lineup, back from suspension. Pushes Cohen Hess back to the front row. Tom Gilbert back to the bench and Peter Holler out to the extended bench. Wade Graham for the Sharks has not been named after that head knock and they're going to be extra cautious. No surprise like we talked about earlier. Wouldn't be surprised if he uh, missed multiple weeks and had a bit of a rest. Sasifa Talakai moves back into the starting lineup, and that bench spot is filled by Teague Wilton. Hamlin Ueli and Sione Katoa have still been holding out, uh, but I think they're close to returning. They're both on the extended bench, which is big. Sione Katoa last year in particular um, was huge for them, and right now, obviously, Connor Tracy's doing a really good job, but uh, if Katoa's healthy, Tracy might slide back into that 14 role for them in the coming weeks, but who do you like here, Boxhead? They're back home. Felt's back in. The back line's back to normal. Dun- I have no idea. I'll go home because yeah, I'll just go home team. That's what I do. Yeah, I think with Hess going back in the middle, done back on the edge, things are a bit more stable and it's up there. Uh, I don't mind. Don't mind the Sharks, to be honest, but uh, yeah. Got me a bit torn here. Talakai moving to the back row. He was pretty good there last year. Hasn't played a lot of minutes this year. I'll give the Cowboys benefit of the doubt at home, but it wouldn't surprise me if the Sharks won. Um, don't think this is one I'd be betting on, but with bluebet.com, the Cowboys are slight favourites at $1.70, $2.15 for the Sharks, and minus 2.5 is the line there. The Friday night late game, an absolute cracker. Uh, very different lineup, as we said, than uh, what we're used to, but Panthers, Roosters at Penrith. Penrith have everybody back on board this week. Obviously, Nathan Cleary returns with the other Origin players. But Viliami Kikau had an ankle injury. He misses out this week. He's out of the side. Matt Burton goes back to the centres. Tyron May goes to the reserves to make way for Cleary and Luai. Yo, Catewell, Martin, etc. All come back into the side. And uh, Isaac Tager has retained his place on the bench despite all those guys coming back. Uh, And potentially will play his third game of NRL. So there you go. Spencer Lanyu in the extended squad. May out for the first time in a long time in the 20 jersey. So a couple of changes there. But new look bench. Tago joins Eisenhuth, Sorensen, and Mitch Kenny. And obviously, with like we said, kick out missing this week. You've got Kate Well and uh, Momorowski out of the 21 altogether. So they've gone with Burton. After his extended stint in the way he played there in Crichton's obviously on the other side of the field for the Roosters this week. Sam Verrills makes a long-awaited return after that eye injury, which was touch and go. 
Dummy half, Ben Maskey is suspended. He's out for two weeks. Soale returns to the reserves with Tedesco coming back in. Tokiawa is back in the front row after missing last week with Fletcher Baker going back to the bench. And in the 21, Billy Smith has been named to make a return after missing all of 2020 with an ACL injury and then having off-season shoulder surgery. And Sam Walker has been named, um, but is under a cloud with that shoulder. And Freddie Lussick will have to wait another week after being out long-term. Uh, I think the Roosters will give a hell of a showing boxhead, but Penrith reloaded at home, bumper crowd, and this is definitely not the Roosters of old. They'll hit back this week. No, Penrith, they'll win. Yep, so you agree they'll hit back this week. 100%. Yep. You know, they're full sided. Their full side doesn't lose. They're undefeated, they're full side. The odds reflect that with bluebet.com. They are $1.27. The Roosters, given respect, though, I guess, compared to what odds are for most teams, uh, they're a bit weakened. $3.70. 11.5 is the start there if you think they can make a bit of a contest of this one. But, uh, yeah, I think Penrith will want to bounce back and in a big way. The early Saturday game, Knights up against the Warriors, and there's multiple returns on the Newcastle side of things. Caelan Ponga is back in. At fullback, Heimel Hunt on the wing. Clifford will play with Mitchell Pearce for the first time as he comes back in to the halves there. Jacob Safiti starts in the front row with his brother Daniel, even with Clammer returning, who goes to the bench on return. And on the flip side of that, for the Warriors, spoke about it before, Reese Walsh returns to reclaim the fullback spot, so they've pushed Roger to the wing. Marcelo Montoya shifts to the other wing. Rocco Berry returns in the centres, and Sean O'Sullivan comes in half of Tavita Harris' season being over. Jazz Tavunga gets the nod at hooker with Jazz, uh, Egan out long-term or for a few weeks. Adam Fanua Blake, who made that return last week, will start this week. Lisa Naimau goes back to the bench and Elisir Katoa replaces Jack Murchie on the interchange. And looking again, like I said, about hooking options, there's no one on that bench that's going to replace Jazz Tavunga at nine. So they're either going to go 80 or in the reserves there is Taniela Otokolo, who they can call in late. So that'll be one to look at. Um, it's a hard one to tip because Newcastle at home in particular this year have been absolutely awful. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going Newcastle. Yeah, I think I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt this week, but if they defend anything like they have in recent times with Walsh back in, Sheck, I think the thing that deters me is Tavanga playing at nine, O'Sullivan playing at seven. Um, the thing that disturbs me is who Newcastle will play. But so, yeah, I don't think Newcastle haven't been any better than the Warriors, that's for sure. Well, they've got a hell of a lot of excuses. So, so if they're getting all those players back, they're going to be a lot sharper. Well, let's hope so. And Blue Bet agrees. They're $1.57, the Newcastle Knights. $2.40 for the Warriors. And four and a half is the start there for that one. Uh, the 5.30 game at Wynn Stadium. The Dragons looking to bounce back against the Raiders back in the day. This was the old the curse, this game. That, that curse was obviously broken. For the Dragons, Zach Lomax has been named in the 21, so there's a chance he may return. And Tyrell Sloan, the fullback we spoke about, has also been named in the 21. For the Raiders, no surprise. There's been no changes to last week's 17, just a shuffle in the lineup with Soliola dropping back to the bench and Sutton moving back into the starting lineup. And in the 21, Ryan James is back in this week. So don't expect a lot of change there. Um, it's a home game. 
They've been pretty good there, but I'm going to back the Raiders to keep the momentum going, not with a lot of confidence, but it's realistically a must-win. Yeah, Raiders and zero confidence. But uh, another one of these they're games... they're back, baby. The green machine. <laughs> they're back, baby. And the odds with blue bet look like this one might have started as a pick but now the Raiders are slight favourites. They're $1.85, there's no line, and the Dragons are $1.95. So, interesting one again. Flip a coin. Keep your money away from that one, punters. Oh, yes. Do not touch that game. That is for sure. Storm finished the Saturday night up on the sunny coast, up against the Tigers, and there's a list of returns here. Nelson Asafa Solomona and Christian Welch both return in the front row. Jesse Bromwich was not named after his elbow injury, but Tui Kamekameka goes back to the bench to join that rotation. George Jennings comes back in, returns on the wing. Trent Lorio drops off the bench, and for the Tigers... Kemar Moller comes in to make his debut on the wing. James Roberts moves into the centres, and Dewey is not named after receiving a high tackle from Eels winger Micah Siva. So there you go. Maybe resting for a week with a concussion. Moses Embi returns at 5'8 after missing last week. Billy Walters is out of the squad, and there's no changes otherwise to their forward pack. Storm, storm, storm. Storm. Yep. They've uh, quite enjoyed playing up on the Sunshine Coast, and Again, a couple of big ins in the forward pack with Welch and Soft Solomona. Brings them back uh, close to full strength there. Kenny Bromwich missing and Jesse Bromwich. It'll be the first time for a long time there's been no Bromwich play for the Storm. Um, and obviously the benefit there of having Brandon Smith and Harry Green again in that rotation working in tandem. So with Blue Bet, no surprise to see their heavy favourites. They're $1.06 up against the Tigers who are $9 minus 22 and a half is the line there if you like the Tigers to make it competitive. Sunday, 2 o'clock, Bank West. The old rivalry, it's the Bulldogs up against the Parramatta Eels. And another debutante, Mike Sivo, obviously suspended. So Sean Russell, Australian schoolboy, junior gun for Parramatta, will get his chance on the wing. Most expected a recall of Blake Ferguson, but they've gone with Sean Russell. And the only other change comes with Keegan Hipgrave named on the bench and Bryce Cartwright dropping back to the reserves. Blake Ferguson still in the reserves there, but... You don't think you'd cruel a kid by making a late change there after naming him uh, no way. in the starting lineup. Sport, he's so. been playing good in New South Wales Cup. He is a good footballer. There's no doubt about that. For the he's, um, yeah, come through St. Pat's Blacktown, um, through the Eels system, and yeah, he's uh, he's more than ready. He's going to be. I'm excited to see him go around. Played fullback mostly, didn't he? Through all the junior yeah, stuff. Most of it, so yeah, most of Wing is uh, it usually yeah, where they start off. Playing in the wing. Yep. For the Bulldogs, Nick Meany retains that fullback spot. Dallin Watinza Lesniak returns among the reserves, and the game day 17 remains intact. Kyle Flanagan is again among the reserves, but highly doubtful he'll play after what we saw uh, on the weekend. And that result, that'd be, again, pretty harsh to make a change. Sticking with the Eels here at Bank West, I like what the Bulldogs did last week, but different team. Yeah, Eels, but if the Bulldogs can reproduce, they can unsettle. Parramatta, like similar to what the Dragons did earlier in the year. I'm not sure they can win, but I think they could definitely up, upset them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, with Blue Bet, heavy favourite to the Eels, $1.09, $7.50 for the Dogs. So if you think similar to what you're saying, there might be a bit of value in the line of 20 and a half if you think they can make it ugly uh, and a bit of a scrap. But otherwise, they are lopsided favourites. And the game to finish the round off is a rematch of the Mudgee Massacre, except this time it's on the Gold Coast. It's the Titans up against the Manly Seagulls and uh, 
Mo Fotoaka returns after a week suspended. Jamie Jolliffe moves back to the bench. Kevin Proctor's out suspended. David Vito's named in the second row. And Tino is back at lock after they both started last week from the bench. Brimson's named in the 21 as in a chance to return from his knee complaint. And Joseph Vuno goes from the interchange to the bench. So for now, Jaden Campbell is still named in the one jersey. Um, again, see what happens with Brimson, I guess. And for the Seagulls, after being arrested... No surprise, Tommy Turbo is back. Garrett goes back to the wing. Parker to the centres. And Suley is now back on the reserves list. Sean Kepi is back from suspension on the bench, which pushes out the debutant from last week, Kurt DeLuise. Uh, hopefully we see a better showing the last time from the Titans, but the way they're playing right now, and especially defending compared to the way Manly's playing, and Tommy back in the mix, I'm going Manly. Yeah, Manly. Yeah, and uh, I'm sure the odds will reflect... Something similar, or a bit closer than I expected, but uh, with Blue Bet, the Titans three dollars, Manly a dollar thirty eight minus seven and a half is the line. So, uh, wasn't expecting Storm Tigers odds or Eels Dogs odds, but I thought maybe at least ten and a half or twelve and a half points. But there you go. We've tipped the exact same round box set. Is there anything you like betting wise out of this? No, not this early. It's hard to know. Wait until close to the weekend. And, uh, potentially attending the Panthers game? Yeah, well, not potentially, definitely. Pen- pending a full recovery? Yeah. Which I think, yeah, well, well yeah, it feels like, it's actually weird. It feels like a Monday, but it's a Tuesday, so. Long weekend, yeah, baby. It should, be, should be right by then. Well, mate, if it happens to pan out that you're all good, we'll be back on Beer Hill watching the pennies play because it's close to home and having yeah, a couple I'll of... To, I'll training, so I'll have to shoot from training back up and scrub and run down to the game, so... But I'll, I'll get it done. Mate, you'll have to do the old Alan Jones story they used to say at the Tigers that they'd put on a set and make it all stick and finish with a chip and chase or whatever, and he goes, you don't mess with perfection, you're done. <laughs> Call it early. Good work, boys. <laughs> yeah. Hit the shower. Well, so oh, yes. Oh, there you go. Wrapped up for another week. Big thanks to Penrith Solar Centre. If you're looking for quality solar solutions, look no further. Get on to Jake and the crew there. And a massive thank you again to bluebet.com.au. If you're going to bet with someone, make sure it's with Bluebet. Support us. Oh, sorry. They support us, so support them. Chuck your hard earned and have your punting with bluebet.com and uh, hopefully we can find a winner for our charity Bears of Hope this week. Download the app today uh, with Bluebet. So there you go, Boxhead. Hopefully a good round of football. No origin effect this weekend. Most players that were big minute players were heavily affected. Rested last weekend by a handful. So back to a normal round of the NRL. And as we said, a lot of key matchups there in particular in that log jam. You've got the Cowboys and Sharks matchup, Knights and Warriors both on the same uh, amount of wins, and you've got the Dragons and Raiders one apart. So there's going to be some movement there. And obviously the Gold Coast Titans mainly have solidified themselves, but a loss there would also push them further down. So a bit more movement to happen in that cluster that we're seeing. Yeah. The top end. So, I, particularly now they, are, they all start playing each other. So. Yeah, and I think, unfortunately, the top end is just going to move further and further away. Uh, with the matchups they've got this week. 
Sure, yep, well, we'll see how it plays out. But for now, everybody, like I said last week, I hope you enjoyed your long weekend. I hope everyone's staying safe and doing well. But for now, enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league, mate. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.